I got Gons, and believe it or not, I got Blender. And for me, it's just it's all just creating images that are are interesting to me, right? You should always try to lift up the people around you, inspire. It's it's almost like you, you and your friends sitting at, uh, skating a curve when your friend lands a trick. You're like, yeah! And I was like, hey, this is Matt. I'm working on this documentary about skateboard art, and he, he all he did was go, oh, Matt. I'm like, yeah. He's like. I've been expecting an old soul to call me tonight. Welcome to the Gratitude Attitude Show, Season 2. I'm your host, Isaac Ramos. Let's be thankful for being able to use our minds and bodies to express ourselves. We want to find ways to help each other cultivate a gratitude mindset. The Gratitude Attitude Show speaks with creative people on how they find ways to stay positive and keep themselves moving ahead. The Gratitude Attitude Show is brought to you by Peace Sports. Peace Sports is about spreading positive messages. We are inspired by people and their passions. We believe you need to move your body to keep your mind healthy. Follow us on Instagram at peace.sports or online at peacesports.org. Music by J Tripp. In this double-length episode, we speak with Matt Bass, a director, cinematographer, and artist that has mastered his tools to not only create beautiful images, but also document history in interesting ways. Matt shared with us how his feature documentary Skate Face came to be, and why he wanted to document the history of skateboarding graphics. Matt also talked with us about his award-winning work as a director and cinematographer on PBS SoCal's Lost LA. Well, um, Matt, welcome to the show, Matt Bass. Bass or bass? You know, technically it's bass. Uh, my mom would tell you bass. My friends in California would say it was bass. Database. Database. But my name is really Matt Bass. Okay. Nice to meet you, Matt. I, I like to, when people ask me, I, I sometimes just joke around and say, you know, it depends where you're from. Good. So. I think it also helps people when uh, when you have friends from some places, then you know uh, where they're from or how they know you. Then, you know, like, if, or how, oh, yeah, this guy introduced me. You know, it's good to have a little nickname, even a slight one. Um, a director of photography, artist, what do, you, what do you call yourself? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm more or less a director of photography and also a director. Mm-hmm. So in, in a sense, uh, filmmaking is sort of my genre. Yeah, image maker. Image maker. Um, I've done a variety of stuff within the cinema world, I suppose. You know, that's what's so cool about the media as an art form because you have television you have documentaries you have commercials you have music videos and so there's all these different avenues that you could explore with images mm-hmm. matt, matt i kept on tripping out because every you know uh, when i got introduced to you it was um oh check out this guy he did the skate face documentary i'm sure you saw that which i had checked out you know but then i started overturning looking at the the real and like looking at your bio and it was just this one thing after another lost la I'm an avid fan of that show. I was like watching oh, every cool. episode and like, especially some of the ones that won the award. I, and of course, I didn't even know you guys won an Emmy. You know, congratulations. But uh, Yeah, I, I was brought on to Lost LA for the season four. And it was an amazing experience. Um, I, of course, love all the work that KCET and PBS does. And yeah. I always thought <clears throat> it's important to, when you have skills and, entertainment industry it's always good to create things that are positive for the community for sure and so when i was asked to work on the project i was just like wow it was like the perfect kind of combination and what did you do on it yeah i was was just curious what did you work on it uh i worked as the director and the cinematographer oh wow so i was double double teaming that um which was, you know, challenging, but it also has a lot of uh, amazing experiences that came out of that whole entire shoot. It, it didn't look like your standard documentary. That's what I did like about it. Like whenever I watched a show, it was like engaging and each one had like a little bit different care for the show. Uh, you know, but I, and of course I love Huel Hauser. I love all California. And like you're saying other PBS shows, like California is a great place to document. I always think. Well, one thing, you know, I, I have to give 100% credit to, like, everybody over at KCET and, and Nathan Masters and Angela and, and Juan and, and everybody over there because they do so much work before we even 
Oh, I bet, yeah. brand. There's so much uh, history that needs to be uncovered and so many ways that we could thread the story together. And so there's, it's, it's such an in-depth process. And I think when you watch the, these documentaries, or this one in particular show, it just appears like, oh, we just, Nathan and I met in the morning and we just found <laughs> the guy and he told us this stuff and he told us to go there. And, and you can't really do that with uh, a television documentary for PBS because you don't have the luxury of like 30 shoot days. Yeah. Right. Really hone in on what the like, focus is going to be. And, like how long? Like two weeks, a week on some of those shows? No, each show is like three to five days. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Cool. Like we, we it, it's very, that's what I'm saying. Like we, it's very meticulously planned out. There's a strategy, there's, there's story points, there's, you know, places we need to go to connect the dots, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> we're not going in totally blind, but we're still discovering things along the way. But we also have like a map because we're dealing with history. Yeah. So when you have history, there is a map, but you have to figure out like what are the treasures along the way to, to get to it. And exposing stuff that you never would have thought of. I mean, that's what I thought was some of the research and some of the things they put in some of the shows. I was like, no way, but not in like a, a unbelievable, you know, or anything like that, you know, way. It just was like, wow. And, and with respect, you know, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. It's, it's, it's like right now we're doing, um, story development and stuff for the next season and it's it's amazing all the work and research that goes into all this stuff that's yeah. what i love about PBS. i love history yeah i love i'm like kind of a nostalgic person i think is what i realized as i've gotten older like i love old memories and objects as like memory conductors mm -hmm. and so i find this fascination with history and of course we can learn from history and i think documentaries is a great, great way to creatively express the past in a way that it might not have been even recorded. Right. So you have to reshape it and, uh, all the truth, right. It's like, there's like a truth behind it all. And that's, that's well, Matt, I would, I didn't, this is a question I wanted to ask you later, but I'll bring it up now, which is, is there something about, um, as you learn the skills to kind of craft that, that memory or like you're, you're making a much better images, you know, of course, as you get, as your career has gone on, I'm guessing. And yeah. like, and especially some of the stylized images I'm seeing on your reel and even in, in lost LA, um, is that part of it too? Like to make it a little bit more, I don't know, gooey. I don't know. What. <laughs> well, I think I, I, like it's, I have this funny thing internally where I'm like, sometimes I'm the director, sometimes I'm a director of photography, sometimes I'm a photographer. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just, it's all just creating images that are, are interesting to me. Right. And so one of the things that helps you create those things, like any artist is like the tools you choose. Right. So, um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to build my arsenal of equipment so that I can kind of elevate my craft. Mm -hmm. so that is, that is very, very helpful. But at the same time, you could still make a great movie on your iPhone, right? A great cinematographer doesn't need all these tools to make a beautiful image. But if you have them, it's kind of a shortcut, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, Do you think some want, of those are, but are you coming to those ideas now that you have a toolkit and you can, you know, hopefully that's what you're having now where you can pull a couple things to get an image in your mind that you have or. Well, with lost LA in particular, one thing that I really wanted to do was a lot of documentaries <clears throat> you see are uh, documentaries have significantly changed in the last five years with Netflix and this high yeah. end, like slow draw emotional like, uh -huh. episodes of like, okay, how many of these murder shows do we really <laughs> But then you see, you know, there's other things that are impeccably shot and beautifully executed. Um, <clears throat> but with Lost LA, what I wanted to do was move the camera. I was like, I just want things to just constantly be moving, like, because that's what we're doing. We're like going to the past and we're walking through and we're finding things. So I decided to shoot like the whole show on like a movie rig, which is basically like a, a steady cam type of thing. Okay. And, uh, 
to give I, it that ease, huh? Kind yeah, of to give that. it that flow, and there was a lot of like motion and pushes and stuff, and and that in itself was, it was it was a more cinematic approach as opposed to just like hey, let's just go and do handheld dock style stuff, and and that stuff works. But I knew that if I could take the cin- more cinematic approach to it, it would give it a different feeling. And tone. It really does. It really does, and it, it did come out that way. Well, thank you. So that so that that's interesting. Yeah, it was always those chicken before the egg, you know, with technology. I always think is that like which one which one come first? Yeah. Well, on the flip side, like my other my documentary Skate Face that I've been working on, it's like oh my god, I started that thing like 13 years ago on like shitty HDV cameras. Right? Yeah, that's what I want to ask you about. So that I think I saw an early thing, maybe it like. I feel like at like a gallery or at a film festival, maybe the new something. I forget where I saw a clip of it, maybe. Um, but uh, I mean, how do you blend? Now this is a documentary about skateboard graphics. Never seen another one like it. You know, there are books, of course, disposable, but this is one where you talk to the guys. I mean, so now you're trying to blend, but this is a personal project. So how yeah, do you blend that old footage with new footage? Or are you even going to try to bridge that gap? Well, you know, it's, it's, um, I always knew from the beginning that it was a collage, right? It was going to have to be a collage no matter how you approached it because you have all the archive sources are yeah. print magazines, Thrasher, which is like a newsprint, which will rub off on your fingers, <laughs> World, which was like a glossy thing. And then yeah. you have like VHS videos in the 80s and then even before that, like 16 millimeter films. And, and so there was always going to be this patchwork of, this, that, blah, 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 blah. And so when I first started, I was like, I think I just like racked up my credit card debt. And I was like, I gotta gotta buy this camera and shoot this documentary. (laughs) And you know, that was the, they didn't have red cameras for $6,000 back then, right? It was, they didn't even have 4K, you know, it was just HD. Yeah. So I, I took the best, I used the best I could. And then my thought back then was like, I'm gonna bring my Bolex my 16 millimeter camera, I'm going to shoot B-roll on that. And that'll give it like an authentic feel, kind of the DIY aesthetic and take you out of this digital kind of landscape and almost kind of blend those two together. Um, and so that was always like my B-roll kind of approach to at least some of it. Yeah. Mixed media for it. But as I shot the film over years, <laughs> you could see it's like a history in like camera. <laughs> <laughs> from three chip to red yeah. camera. <laughs> yeah, from three chip. It was like I could probably go through it. It was like and lighting, probably Bolex, lighting. like HDV, uh, XD cam, C three hundred. You know, F Sony F three. You know, and so on and so forth. What's the plan with the movie, Matt? I mean, just to finish it up, or just want to keep on building on it? Or I mean, what's the? Well, you know, I could keep shooting forever. That's yeah. The that's the funnest part, you know. <laughs> it's evolving. I love the skateboard graphics. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that uh, I could potentially do that. I, I always thought there could be a Skate Face 2. Yeah. Um, skate Face 1 is pretty much done. It's, it's, it's pretty much completed. We're just working on clearing the rights and then, and then selling the film, basically. We got, you know, last year it started off on a great note. It was like, cool, we got in the Malibu Film Festival, start to premiere, couple, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, great. I waited 13 years to release this thing, and then COVID happened. So <laughs> I, was literally, I was literally reluctant to present it in film festivals over COVID because uh, as a filmmaker, a film festival is about going and seeing people react yeah. to the film and actually meeting people. And then I was a bit paranoid about just screening a, a film on the internet where like screen record is just like a button on your computer now. So it is going to bring it to the communities, especially all those different small ones. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dying to see this thing. I think, uh, I think it's going to be cool. Um, yeah. Just the interview. So, I mean, how did a lot of these things just come from passion where you're just bringing up a knocking on a door, asking the person for contact to get all these different, uh, you know, faces. Oh, how did I get everybody? Is yeah. That- Okay, that is a very good question. So I had been working with a friend of mine, Frank Scurra, who had a company called the Action Sports Environmental Coalition. Okay. The whole concept is that was we're going to try to green action sports, get these energy drinks out of the mix, school skaters, BMX surfers, mountain bikers, 
about health, about your body. You guys are athletes. And so Frank was doing this thing and Frank grew up in the industry and he just knew everybody, right? He like knew everybody on the surf, skate, BMX background. And so I was, I was doing it on, the, on a voluntary level because I was very passionate about the environment. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I love BMX. I love skateboarding and I love the earth. Let's do this, right? So he formed ASAC with Danny Way and Bob Burnquest. Mm-hmm. And then we basically went all over the X Games, do tours and all these events, promoting that stuff. And while I was doing that, I started meeting all these guys. Just How not cool. even like, and it was kind of funny because I work in the industry, you meet with like normal celebrities and I, I meet like Tommy Guerrero and like, oh my God, like, yeah, for sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like these guys were way more, uh, <clears throat> The real deal. Like, oh, shout out Don Brown. When I first met Don Brown, I was like, hail, Don, oh, Don, you're Don Brown. Okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> Don, Brown, Don Brown was uh, one of the early people that was yeah. involved with, with ASEC and stuff. So somewhere along the line working with, with ASEC, I just kind of had this aha moment. I was like directing and shooting like these like music videos and doing a lot of like metal videos. And I was like, I got to, I got to get, I got to do something bigger, right? And that's around the time Disposable came out. And I was just like in love with this book. I had these other like skate books and stuff. And I just remember going to my DVD wall and being like, oh, let's watch the movie about skateboard art. And I was like, what? There is none. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of like the aha moment. I was like, wow, there's all these books and no one's made a movie. And so that's kind of what started the, the momentum, basically. And then from there, through, through working with ASEC, I started, I knew that when I started, I should probably start with people who were earlier, like some of the originators. So I started with like Steve Olson and uh, he was one of my first. And then we, I was at the Action Sports trade show at ASR. And okay. then Dale Smith was doing a uh, the first ever skateboard vintage auction at ASR. You've been working and on this for a while. If it was ASR, this has been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a long, it was like a long time. It was like 12, 13 yeah. years ago. And yeah. I, I'd been going to ASR all the time with Frank with ASEC to promote it. So yeah. we were just in that little, whatever, that little atmosphere. And I was like, oh my God, that's, I got to start shooting. That's, that's it. That's like the beginning of the movie. And it was like my birthday or something. It was like my birthday in 2007 or whatever it was. And I was like, this is it. I got to start. So I just jumped in. And on that first day, I, I like, I met Wes Humston and I was like, Whoa, this is like the guy. Yeah. And we're cool. And, and he really is. Yeah. And everybody was, I told everybody what I was doing and you know, everybody was like, cool, you know? So blessed from the start to start filming. That's great. I, yeah. I think I just had the, the, the raw passion. I was like, we got to do this. Like how come no one's done this? Like, like, this is like real stuff. <laughs> I was like really into it. Did, still really into it. did you get to uh, connect with uh, VC or V Cortland Johnson? Did you get it? I'm very curious to see more oh, yeah, interviews yeah. with so him. One of, one of the funnest thing about skate face, maybe subconsciously, this is why it took so long because it's like a hunt, right? When you're a collector, there's yeah. like, you like decide like, I need to get that person or that board or that, whatever that thing. And then like, you make it hard for yourself. Like, <laughs> Right? You, you could like I could have asked maybe like somebody how do how do I get in touch with this person, but I rarely would do that. I would leave it up to them to kind of suggest to me. I, I just which was it's kind of a stupid. But approach. with skateboarding, there is something with that though. I mean, you don't go to just run to somebody's ramp. You kind of get asked to right. skate there, you know, a little way, you know. Or yeah, I guess it's true. It's kind of like skate etiquette. Yeah, you just wait for the door to open. In a way, with BCJ was like, this is probably one of my favorite interviews of the film. I mean, the guy, like, his artwork is, like, on, like, it's, it's archetypal, right? Oh, yeah. It's got this whole deep lineage root to it. It's, like, kind of like someone... Even just his history with silkscreening and how he brought right. silkscreening and wood together. I mean, just that, that pure form. But, yeah, keep going. Sorry. So I had gotten to... Uh, work with uh jim phillips right Sick. and jim phil i got to jim phillips somehow i can't remember i got to jim phillips and jim phillips i was like hey could you 
he was, uh, could you put me in touch with um, VCJ? And he was like, oh yeah, I could give you VCJ's number. I just met him through this guy and, and, and through Matt French. This is a whole other story, right? Okay. So anyway, it was so funny. I, I remember I was leaving Santa Cruz and I call up VCJ and I go, hey, VCJ. <laughs> And I'm like, it's like, you know, it's kind of that nervous yeah. like, energy. Like, oh my God, I'm talking to like this super awesome person I worship, right? And I was like, hey, this is Matt. I'm working on this documentary about skateboard art. I got your number from Jim Phillips. And like, I got it. Like, I got to put you in this movie. And he, all he did was go, oh, Matt? I'm like, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I've been expecting an old soul to call me tonight. <laughs> And I was like, right on. And he was like, when are you going to come here? And I was, I'll be there tomorrow. He was like, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Like, oh, man. You know, we roll up to his house. It was so funny. My friend was with me, Matt Pappas, who helped me shoot the film. He was awesome. We roll up and VCJ's a stand there smoking a cigar. And he walks up. I'm like, Hi, if you stay, I'm Matt. And he's like, and this is Matt too. And he's like, of course you're both Matt. <laughs> and then, Basically, we get out of the car and he's like, come inside. We'll like have a drink. He sits us down at like a coffee table and gives us like coffee. And for five hours, no exaggeration, we didn't shoot anything. He just sat there. We didn't take the cameras out of the car. He just sat there and talked to me. And, and like basically, like he's developed a whole system. Yeah, I want to know about that stuff. Where he reads your soul. Yeah. Right. And so he will call him and his out. wife, right? Is did you get to meet his wife or his uh, yeah, partner? Girlfriend. I don't know if it's his wife. Now, yeah, girlfriend, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um and I'm totally into this like kind of like outer dimensional spiritual stuff. Um if, if you're into it, cool, go explore it, right? Yeah. So I'm just like I'm just eating it up. I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I'm into it. Uh-huh. And he starts reading our souls and he, just, he starts telling us about past lives and everything. And uh, eventually he's like turned to us. He's like, oh, you know, if you want to shoot my face, you know, you, we could start that now. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's something else. I think that there's, and I think for him to be the guy to be at this root of skateboarding art is yeah. there's something else about this now that I'm seeing a different dimension to skateboard right. art and uh, the, the root of it because of like an alchemist putting together yeah. gold and this guy where he's gone to is to another way advanced, you know? And so I'm, yeah. I'm but there's, he's not letting a lot of people in on it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't find the book people. He said he's had a book about it. Um, there was something about his wife or his girlfriend had some publishing. I feel really blessed because I don't think he's ever done it. I don't think he's going to reveal it. I don't either. The only time I've ever seen him on film was like, in some like Powell behind the scenes thing or something. Um, but he's never done interviews. That's we got interview after the five hour like slowly. <laughs> then we filmed for like another four hours. Oh, good. Okay, that's gonna be great. And he, you know, he he basically opened up and told me how like he's just a vessel, and there's a power beyond him, Merlin or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, quote, that was coming through him in his work. You know, and so I was like obviously right yeah. <laughs> something's going on here. yeah you know so he he was one of my favorites i, I really enjoyed that in oh, fact man. it was so much we had so much fun i actually went back there again with him uh with matt french who's a, an artist who actually got vcj and jim phillips to come out of uh retirement to start doing art again oh wow yeah so that's there's a whole backstory to that so matt french came he, Matt French called me on the phone once. He's like, I saw your movie and I need to, I, I need to be in it. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> and like, we become good friends and he's an amazing artist. And well, he came down to California and we drove back up to VCJ's and I was like, we got to film, we got to film you like doing something with him. Like you're like the guy. And so we went to the art store and I bought this like giant canvas and I was like, I was like, not stupid, but I was like, we're going to, you're going to make a fucking portrait of VCJ and I'm going to film it. And I could show you that painting. Wow. Yeah. I'd love uh, to see it. 
Yeah, man. Well, what a what an awesome uh, experience that you're going off here, and I'm glad you are because skateboarding needs this stuff documented before these guys start passing away. I hate to be uh, yeah, you know, serious stuff. about it, but it's great. There's been a, a few unfortunate passing skateboarding's recent past, actually. You know. So I guess my assumption, Matt, was more that you went from kind of skate face and the humble roots, and then went into professional but it sounds like that kind of thing was you know your cinematography and different stuff was kind of parallel with this uh can you tell me a little bit about that i mean yeah i mean i i think like anybody who starts off their career there's there's just like kind of a path you take you know you start at the bottom and you work your way to the top so to speak um <clears throat> so i think i just gradually got better and as a cinematographer better tools better better jobs and kind of grew naturally. Um, Skateface was just kind of always that parallel universe for me of like, <laughs> oh, this is my passion project. Um, I got to work on this whenever I could. So that's another reason why it took so long because I basically like, I work, you know, film production is crazy. You yeah. can be like, have long days for weeks or whatever. And so I'd work on it when I can and, and blah, blah. And then I had to, you know, I had to track people down and, and find them. Like, how do you get Ed Templeton? That wasn't Ooh. easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see what he says about his graphics. Yeah. I mean, Ed Templeton was someone I was just like, same thing. Like I have to have Ed Templeton. He's like, you know, he's one thing that the focus of skate face was like skateboard artists. Right. People are like, oh, how come you don't have this skater? And it's, it's not about skateboarders. It's about skateboard art. And so as skateboard art developed, a lot of pro skaters started doing their art. Yeah. And Ed was a pioneer of that as well. So it took me about, I'm not even kidding, like two years, 20 emails, and like a couple 16 millimeter films to finally lock Ed down. And, and it wasn't like he was blowing me off. He was really busy. He was actually yeah. traveling the world and promoting his art. And then I'd get busy and then I'd lose cut, touch with him. And, and eventually he said to me, he said to me like, wow, Matt, you, you I could tell like you weren't going to stop. <laughs> that beats on the Ted, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I was not going to stop. Like I was going to get you. So <clears throat> that's, I always patient, you know, positive patience persistence right like those are like the three things to complete a documentary i suppose oh man that, that's good that's some good left three p's three p's man ed's like another alchemist that's for sure i don't i hate to use that word but just pulling those things together at some point the right time yeah. and then out being able to um not be afraid and of the vulnerability you know the original vulnerable skater <laughs> right well that's the beauty of, of like i think with skateboard art could do for anybody is that anybody could make art right but skateboarding gives you like a, a platform of inspiration to pull from mm -hmm. right and so you don't have to be like a sick artist like vcj you could be a playful artist like mark gonzalez right yeah. neil blender yeah neil blender Gons, yeah, yeah. Did you get yeah. guns on there did, or did you get guns on there I got guns. Yeah. Awesome. I got guns. And then believe it or not, I got blender. Oh my God. That's a, did he do it in dark? Like with the face hidden? <laughs> oh no. Like, but those two, those are like, like those three guys in particular, you know, VCJ, guns and blender. Those are three guys that are like quintessential that I knew I had to get that. And none of them do the interviews. Mm -hmm. You never see an interview of Neil blender. Yeah. And you I've seen a couple of guns since, since then, but you know, they're very far and few in between and they're usually, you know, short and sweet or yep. a couple of cool guns pieces out there. But man, Raymond Pettibone's another one I hunt interviews of very rare. Um, the artist yeah. Raymond Pettibone, it's very rare. And I saw him speak live once one of the most surreal experiences right. I had. <laughs> That's for sure. The only guy I couldn't get was Pusset. Man. Now, that's a guy. That's a guy that really doesn't do interviews. He doesn't. I was at one point. I cannot say I'm friends with Pusshead now, but at one point in life, I was friends with Pusshead because oh, we just cool. and I lived in San Francisco, but definitely more on a local level because we just were in the same city. And right. I, I feel blessed for that time period because yeah, man, I learned a few things. I wanted to. I wanted to have a whole section. I wrote him through his fan club. Like I don't. That's two. Probably like. Two or three, four times. Skate face two, that's for sure. Face two, yeah. 
uh, you know, that, I wish I could have put everybody in it. Like I wish I had Todd Bradshaw in it. I wish I had Pusshead. You know, there's a few people that I, I wish I could have gotten, but I, you know, this is a DIY self-funded project. Yeah. I can't fly all over the country to get all these. I'm sure you inspire others too. And there's young, I mean, these young kids, I love in frog skateboards. I'm loving welcome weekend. Yeah, well, uh, so many good brands out there putting out, I mean, FA there's so many. Oh, good I, lo- I love the, the current state of skateboarding. I think is just, a, it's just amazing because it is all those brands you just talked about They're They're like DIY. They're like, yeah. you know, we don't need this big company. We could just order boards. We could just put it on a website, promote our team, do our whole aesthetic. And you, and it works. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really cool to see these like micro companies doing these very unique things. Yeah. And it's kind of reminiscent of what like World did in the nineties. What have you? Did you ever think about? Um, Gone said it in a in a rare thing. I saw him say it once. He was talking about there's an art to watching skateboarding, and then mm-hmm. there's skateboarding, and it's a very different thing. Do you ever thought about that? Yeah, you know, he would be the perfect guy to like, <clears throat> be an example of that, right? Because yeah. his approach to skateboarding is it's not typical whatsoever. He's he dances around that thing like some like oh yeah, alien ballerina, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what makes him so unique. You know, then you've got like guys that could do like laser flips at the drop of a dime, and so that's what's so beautiful about skateboarding. It really is like a visual art that's happening now right but it takes so much practice to really be like effortless right Mm -hmm. but then there's people like gons that like have always been effortless you just have this raw talent where you just do that oh oh, yeah i'll just do that right (laughs) a balance yeah yeah balance like balance beyond you know it's uh i just i i love skateboarding everything about it is just to me it's like the best, I hate to call it sport, but we'll call it the best <laughs> physical activity you could do. And it really that's is. probably one of the most difficult once you start really getting into, you know, different environments and territory. Maybe big wave surfing is probably the craziest, but. Which is enjoyable to watch too. I really like watching big wave surfing. That's, yeah, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever try this, but I love watching it. And it's a very fun thing to learn to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, it's insane. Man. It's totally Tell, tell me a little bit about uh, what about the um, other docs? I mean, Gary Shandling documentary. This is another one I was amazed that I that you worked on that I wanted to learn because I love that doc. That was awesome. Yeah, I had been working with a director, Michael Bonfiglio, and we had done a bunch of stuff for Oprah's channel. And then uh, Michael teamed up <clears throat> with Judd Apatow, and I was fortunate enough to work on um, all, on all the stuff on the East Coast. Oh, cool. That, that was a great experience too because it was such a intimate project for Judd and it was it was cool to watch him go through that and and to meet all these incredible people and it's I love documentaries because you're really getting people's like deep thoughts that they yeah. wouldn't otherwise necessarily talk about and so it's always a it's not just an experience just like filming and creating a cool setup and it's it's like interesting yeah was, and making I, people comfortable to pull that out that's for sure yeah. that's an art form and of course, Gary Shandling was like a genius, so it was cool to kind of uncover like what yeah. was, made him tick, right? I couldn't believe it. Some of the stuff in that documentary, I was like, again, some of the, yeah, that makes sense. But wow, like what a, some incredible stuff. I've, I've always been a big Gary Shandling fan since I was a kid. And so, and like his lineage for sure of different people he put on. Uh, yeah. That's one thing I like. I liked how many people he put on and wasn't shy to like uh, have a family. Yeah, I thought I, I really admire that as a an artist myself. Where you should always try to lift up the people around you, mm-hmm. and inspire. It's it's almost like you, you and your friends sitting at, uh, skating a curve when your friend lands a trick. You're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? So, you know, when your friends make art or make a song or whatever, I'm always like, like, fuck yeah, like that's great. Like, keep making stuff. You know, we gotta output creative things as humans, so we all kind of propel as a culture. Yep. Man, that's interesting. Uh, and you don't need awards. It's better that kind of, it's more from the fan or the pat on the back is way more impactful. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Um, one last background thing I want to, what about your BMX collecting? I couldn't believe that we were at that same, uh, you know, at at probably a few other BMX collector events around uh, California. What's your history with that? I actually started BMXing before skateboarding because in the suburbs of New York, there was no skateboarding. And so I started BMXing early eighties. I think I saw my first BMX bike when I was like in the third or fourth grade. And I was just like, that's it. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I just was, I was kind of a hyperactive kid. Um, and so I would come home from school, ride my bike, ride my bike, obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. And then I got to skateboarding later on. But one of the things was with my bikes was that I had like a paper out as a kid, right? So I'd deliver papers and you'd make like $20 a week, whatever. And that's how I paid for all my, my, my BMX habit basically was like $20 a week. I can make like 80 bucks a month. That's like a lot when you're like 11 years old. You brought, you deliver on the BMX? Yeah, I had, I remember I had like 22 houses. I had like, literally it was like that classic, like American, like, Oh yeah. I just carry one in my arm and bike ride. And then at the end, it was the perfect thing. At the end of my bike, at the end of the, the paper route, you just make a left, another left, and there were the bike trails. And so I was like super into BMX. I raced BMX and then BMX turned into freestyling mm-hmm. and tricks. And then right around that time, some skateboarding came in and that's, Shortly after skateboarding, I stopped BMXing so much, but I was like, I'll never sell my bikes. Fuck that. Like, I, like <laughs> I had a lot of friends, like the whole neighborhood kids had bikes and they were all like getting, as soon as I got a car, they'd sell their bike. And I'd be like, you guys are, you guys are posers. Like, what do you mean? Like I fucking worked like four years to get that bike. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just never, I always held on to my, on my vintage bikes. And then when I moved to California, <clears throat> I, I fucking discovered eBay at the beginning of eBay. Oh yeah. And I was like, holy shit, you can buy like all these sick parts for like wholesale basically, you know? <laughs> so I started by, I mean, I was a kid. I'd love like for me to psychologically think I got a new bike. I would like get like new grips. Right? Oh, I'm still that way. Or, That's for sure. Or get new grips and like a, a number plate. You'd be like, yeah, this is like a new bike. Right. Yeah. So, I just so. got new tires. I'm like, I got a new bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You get like some silly thing like that. You like changes everything, right? Yeah. So I started just buying shit off of eBay. Just like, cool. I'm gonna buy like every fucking Harrow number plate that ever existed, and like every zero or not. Just like stuff like that. I didn't even think about it. And just stuff from your, that you knew about, and this came. Yeah, all the stuff that I knew about. Wow. Um, I, I do regret not buying more skateboards during that time oh yeah i do too believe me i was worried about like planet of the apes and movie stuff at that point when ebay first came out i was all about watching old movies and seeing every single old movie and like and like really just hoarding movie knowledge and so i was looking on for post i have a dumb poster collection for for no reason (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or just learning about ebay about weird collectibles um toys and that's how i got into toys and things but yeah um, i love collectibles I'm, I'm trying to slim back my collectibles i know there's room you only got so much room, That's yeah, what, so much room. So much uh, room. what about uh so anything you're working on these days is uh, right now i mean that you're you want to shout out or anything new you're working on that's exciting other than getting skate face out to the public uh, this year i'm excited about doing the next season of lost la we're going to be shooting as soon as the vaccine comes out we'll be able to go out there and be safe and shoot it because it's documentary that to be in places with people yep so um i'm very excited about that for sure what about uh, these are my stock questions now i'm getting into my stock questions but what about um i mean i think mind and body and you know like you're saying we're talking about skateboarding but i mean how, how do you stay fit or do you meditate or do you do anything like this uh physically or mentally you know over covid i have to admit i didn't exercise too much I said before that I was, you know, BMX and skateboarding whenever time permitted and my old ass body could handle it. Right. But most of my exercise actually comes from my job. Moving equipment, getting around. It's like I'm constantly holding cameras and moving around and running upstairs or getting in weird low positions. I would call like camera yoga, but you know, <laughs> like hold that fucking weird position where you like feel really terrible. So, like, that, like whoever's done doing what they're doing when you're doing documentary. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of like my, 
my workout in a funny way. My wife's like, that's not a workout. I'm like, you want to try it? Like, it's not, especially if you do like the movie, like the movie is like, yeah, that's a, that's heavy. That's a whole body workout. I'm sure. Like the thing about like doing like the camera work, it's like, Oh, you could do a movie, you do a commercial. It's like, you know, you do your pushing shots over whatever, 30 seconds. But if you're doing like lost LA and you're like, Oh no, I'm going to roll on this movie for like 40 minutes. And most people would be like, no, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and, but uh, because it was my show and I was shooting and directing it, I was just like, give me the yerba mate. Let's do this. Right? Get and, the shots. Because yeah. I guess yeah, that's the shots. shots you want to get that you're trying to put together. That's really Yeah, cool. you kind of treat, I kind of treat like filmmaking, like a, like a skate sesh. Like, hey, we got, it's, like it's about to get hot in here. Like we got a, a game <laughs> on. Like, we're, we're, you feeling it? Because it is kind of like a, you know, you know when, you, when you're skating and like you're trying to do a trick, whatever. And you know the second you try to do it, if you're gonna make it or not. Yeah. It, you just know. Yeah. For the, the first time you hit it, it, you just pop. You're like, this is it. This is the one. You know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like <clears throat> it's filmmaking. Do you do, you do the hand in front of the camera like skaters do at anything? <laughs> yeah, the thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I do do that. People are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> um. What about um? What about mentor uh, Matt? Have you had any good mentors in your life that you want to shout out, or that you've like really like learned a lot from, or have you been a mentor to somebody young? I'd say my biggest mentor is probably my father. Awesome. Who, who, he passed away about twenty years ago before I moved out here, but he was a photographer, and he's the one that basically got me into photography and, and filmmaking, and and kind of showed me that path. I wasn't really a very good student in school and uh i i I figured i was you know my great story is like i go to my guidance counselor in like high school she's like well man i'm looking at your your thing here and i think you're you're really good in shop class i think you should look into being a drill press operator (laughs) and i was like i like looked at her and i was like fuck you right (laughs) i was so mad but at the same time i was like damn is she right Right. You know, like you're like a vulnerable teenager. Uh, yeah. You don't know. She's giving <laughs> you straight advice. <laughs> she gave me like the worst advice ever. I don't even remember her name. I blacked it out, but whoever she was, you know, sorry, I, I'm not a drill press operator, but <clears throat> um, it, it gave me a momentum and I, I developed a small little portfolio. While I was in high school, either shooting friends or skateboarding or BMX or mm-hmm. whatever. And I was able to go to college based on a portfolio, fortunately enough. But I say my dad was probably my, by far my biggest mentor. I had another one in New York, uh, Rob Gaffney, when I was like in film school and I was working in the back room at like HSI making reels and stuff. Uh-huh. And he was just like, I showed him my thesis film and he was like, man, you got to get out of here. Like, you'll they'll keep you here forever in this room if you don't you know he's like i'm gonna and he started giving me work and schooling me and kind of uh just telling me how things work and it was really super helpful so man that's good to have somebody tell you that that's idea i feel like i've sometimes a couple young people i feel like i have told them that kind of thing like hey don't waste your time around here like we're here but you don't gotta be (laughs) yeah i actually have a uh, i actually enjoy mentoring younger kids younger filmmakers now because it's just kind of fun to be like like yo you, you need to get insurance for your camera bro like you can't just go on and shoot like yeah just kind of you know people when you're young you don't necessarily know how things are done you might be uh, you know intimidated about asking things done because you're just happy to work and it's good to get knowledge on like protocol and yeah a lot of things with filmmaking i don't think people realize is like i call it set a kit how do you act on set? Oh yeah, it's important. Yeah, it's super important. So there's, it's, it's like an unspoken thing. Nobody really teaches you that. You can't really learn that in film school. It's just kind of, you just kind of- Gotta be a PA. I mean, that's where I, I feel like- I, I actually did PA right, right out of film school. And, and my, my attitude was like, fuck yeah, I'll drive that 16 foot cube truck. Where do I yeah, gotta go? Exactly. You know? And, and I was like, I'm going to be the best fucking PA you ever saw because I'm not doing this forever, right? Uh-huh. But you, it would open your eyes to like, oh, that's how they, that's how the art department functions. That's how the 
keep grips function. Yeah. This is a production function. And then you, like you say, you can pick where you, where you want to go, your climbing trust and stuff. But what about, I mean, as we're talking about skills here, I mean, like, what are, like, what are some skills that you tell some of these young guys, like there were some young people, uh, you know, is there anything that you are like, this is my key skill that, you know, everybody should work on? Uh, you know, Sedicate was the thing we talked yeah. about. Another thing we talk about a lot is just technical stuff. I have a lot of, I'm like such a camera nerd. I'm like read all the blogs and on the red users and the airy sites and just, just kind of knowing what's coming out and what's working and how does this camera compare to that camera and like, is what's good for that? And Oh, don't buy that thing. <laughs> and I'm pretty like, basically it better work, you know, things need to work. And a lot of stuff is like, how much could you afford? You know, the people, I have people call me all the time. I've even done like consulting, like for like schools, like we want to fill out this classroom for like 60 students. And I'm like, and the first question is like, how much money do you have? Yeah, exactly. And how, you know, how many cameras, like what do you, so you kind of have to weigh those things out, you know, the technical advice is something I, I commonly do. But I have friends call me or, you know, younger people calling me. A couple in particular, like, oh, I'm on this shoot and this is happening. Like, you know, what, what should I do? Or how do I light this? Or we just dropped the camera. Can you bring me a new one? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I always I always call it like the filmmaker's code, right? Like if you're a fellow filmmaker and I find like now that we're friends, Isaac, and you're like stuck on your shoot and you're like, Oh my God, I just, my GoPro just fell off the drone and we're screwed. <laughs> I was like, where are you? I'll come right away. I hear you. I've done that. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. With Illustrator, people call me on, I'm like really good on Adobe Illustrator. People call me, how do I mass? How do I get this? Or what happened here? Yeah. I'll be calling you next time I need Illustrator. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> InDesign too. Somehow InDesign, I'm very good at getting the print stuff lined up and then people want to double check. I have a press check yeah. with, with Ramos. Oh, yeah. so I mean, all these little like, programs apps skills are like it's all about those little details right it really is and that only comes with like experience really yep yep i definitely learn that as i get older that's for sure yeah um last last question matt for you uh what about um i mean the show's gratitude attitude what about attitude i mean do you think this is anything that you've thought about that is a key to success or to your happiness or 100 percent. i used to say like don't crack the code like Meaning like, don't go, don't be negative, right? Try to stay positive because your mindset 100% affects the reality in front of you, right? I think we as a humanity are starting to learn that more and more as a conscious yes. thing, right? <clears throat> um, once I was working at Quincy Jones once and he said this to me, I'll never forget. Oh, sick. He said, <clears throat> you could see it. You just have to be, I'm sorry, to be it, you just have to see it. Just listen, just listen to the whispers from God. That's what he said. Dang. So you have to see it to be it, right? Yeah. And I was like, see it to be it. And I was like, oh my God. It, in that moment, it was just like, Koo! it was like the light went off. It was like, oh my God, first of all, Quincy Jones just yeah. said it. So obviously this guy knows what he's talking about. And it was like, you know, uh, there's books about this stuff, you know, creative thinking and positive you what you put out there comes back right it's just true of course we can't always control that i mean you know not everything's going to be good and bad and sometimes you have to sway and roll with the punches but i also have kind of like a very calm position about things coming at me right so it's it's almost like it's coming at you and you just have to like water let mm-hmm. it flow over you. Because if, if I'm just going to blockade it, it's going to hurt, right? So if something's coming at you, instead of being like, oh, you just go like, okay, what is this? Analyze it. I'm very analytical. Yep. And naturally, so to, naturally yeah. that, or is it something you worked at? I think it's definitely something I've worked at, right? Yeah. So, you know, when I used to have to work with my dad on these like wedding videos and stuff when I was a kid, I would have like these punk rock haircuts and I didn't want to be there. And I just had like a shitty attitude. Right. Cause I was just like, I was just, I didn't want to do it. I was like a teenager. And then I'd have, they'd have to deal with all these crazy people like maitre d's and brides and crazy 
people in the thing and they'd come at me sometimes and I would just be like, whoa. And so I developed the technique. It's, I don't know what to call it, but I had three things that people would come up to me. They'd scream at me like, ah! and I'd do three things. I would say, okay, yes. Or I go, no. Or I, the third thing was just nothing at all. <laughs> Blank them. Just blank them, just look them. And as like a 15-year-old teenager with like lines shaved in the back of my head, <laughs> like blonde streaks, they would just look at me and they would get, they would almost see themselves. Yeah. Because you're like, oh my God, I'm yelling at this punk kid and he doesn't give a fuck. And so why am I yelling at them? And they would just walk away, right? <laughs> and so I would, it, was just, it would just diffuse the whole thing yeah. literally by doing nothing. Right. And so that taught me, like, try not to knee jerk reaction to things coming at you. And, and, and so I kind of, it's, well, filmmaking is a lot like that. There's like, okay, the light's changing. Oh, this is changing. Or how do you, how do you roll with it? How do you make it work? How do you fix it now? Like right now, but anal analytically you can't attack it. It's, it's kind of, Definitely try to stay positive. I'm, I, I'd say a very positive person in terms of like the glass is half full, right? Yeah. The glass is not half empty. Like, okay, this is a shitty day, but like the night's really nice and cool, right? So it's, it's easy, especially now with the world upside down, going down the rabbit hole of like, you know, your darker thoughts, yeah. right? You're being stuck inside and you, everybody needs some sort of spark of inspiration to kind of go forward. And so <clears throat> I try to do that as much as possible. It is not always easy. Of course it takes work, but yeah, every chance, everyone is a little different challenge for sure. That's for sure. So Matt. I have a lot, I have a lot of gratitude for a positive attitude. Good. <laughs> Man, this has been awesome, Matt. I'm, I'm so glad we connected. And uh, I feel like in the future, we're going to have some, our paths will cross a lot of different ways. That's for sure, man. Yeah, we'll have to go hit the skate park or the, the bike trail or something. That's for sure. That's for sure. I know we didn't even, um, didn't even get into the outdoor stuff, but uh, that's, we'll leave that for another episode or another conversation. But, uh, oh, yeah, the outdoor stuff. That's, uh, that's like the latest hobby, I suppose. Yeah, it's good, man. Get out there. Get that. It's a whole different thing to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. If I had advice to anybody, it'd be like, just go to nature. Like if you're feeling stressed out about anything, if you can just get in your car, just drive to the nearest forest where there's nobody around, just sit. Yeah. Right. Cause I think that just takes the noise away. And when you can take the noise away and you can hear the trees and the leaves and you're like, wow, I am just a speck of dust on this big earth and your problems don't seem as big. Yep. I hear that, man. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Dude, thanks for being on the show, Matt. Um, and then, right. yeah, yeah, we'll have you back again. All right. Thanks so much. Isaac. Thanks for listening to the show. Please share with a friend and subscribe to hear more interviews with creative people.